Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us about your wild conspiracy. It's on. It's now. It's here. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Thanks for tuning in, 909. I'm back. First of all, I want to thank Steve Dunham and Kenny Nielsen for covering me on Thursday. Took a little extra day off, so I had a little longer weekend than the rest of you, but I assure you I did not rest. My wife tried to kill me, sort of, uh, hiking all over the mountains and stuff, so I had a good time, but I'm actually really sore right now. Let's bring in Brian Hyde, our usual Monday guest. I can almost call him a co-host on Mondays. Morning, Brian. Hey, how's it going? It's, it's, I'm sore. <laughs> Other than that, it's good. But yeah, I, I kind of got an ache from uh, my neck down to my toes and uh, that's okay. Right? Well, I, I get the same thing and it's not just from having fun. I, I, I get it when, uh, when I'm working now too. Yeah. I have a friend. Uh, do you know John Smith? Do you remember John Smith, radio guy? He was down here for a while. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. John uh, posted up on Facebook the other day. He broke his foot. And I'm like, how did you do it? He said, I don't know. I was just standing there, and then my foot was broken. <laughs> I said, well, welcome to old age, buddy. <laughs> yeah, getting getting old ain't for sissies, or so I've been told. Yeah, exactly. Uh, today, I wanted to talk a little bit with Brian about science. Now, it's funny. Science used to just be that science. It was, uh, for the most part, established facts that have te- stood the test of theorems. And, and uh, you know, we pretty much could go, all right, we got science, and, uh, and, and that's the way it is. And then climate change came or climate change theory came and, and, and science became a little bit politicized, maybe a lot politicized. And then COVID-19 came and uh, things just kind of went wacko. In fact, Joe Biden said six days before he was elected, he said, I believe in science. Donald Trump does not. That It's that simple, folks. Is it that simple, Brian? Ah, if, if only. Only in the world of politics. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, science we've seen can be politicized. And the result of science becoming politicized means that um, it can be attached to an agenda. Um, it, it can be, you know, People can be punished for having dissenting voices, whereas before, you know, the, the idea of science was we're not afraid of questions. In fact, we want questions. If somebody can prove my thesis wrong or my hypothesis, all the better, because then I'm not chasing down a blind alley. But now it seems like there there's certain things which we are not allowed to, to question, and, and that's a very bad thing for, for any number of reasons. You know, I grew up, my dad is a scientist. Uh, he was a geologist, geographer. Uh, he, later in his career, he, he taught physics. Uh, astronomy. And, and so I grew up in a house where things were pretty black and white. I mean, science was it. And, and you know, you, you, you had a, you had a, a, a really established scientific uh, theory and uh, that, that was it. It was, it was pretty simple. And yet now we have the distinction, uh, science as a philosophy versus science as an institution. What does that mean, Brian, to you? Well, institutions don't usually like to be questioned, or at mm. least there's there's, there's pushback when people question institutions, whereas science as a philosophy, and, you know, that, that will throw some people for a loop because they'll say, well, you know, scientists don't sit around and philosophize about, right. you know, what, what is a germ and, you know, is a germ, you know, virtuous or not? They don't, they don't talk about that. It's more concerned with what is real and what isn't. But anytime someone tells you, hey, Andy, you can't question that, 
the science is settled, or or some variation of it. All scientists agree, or most scientists agree, that is a danger sign because it's crossing over from a process that's about asking questions, seeking truth, and, and always has an implied, as far as we know, before whatever statement is made, mm-hmm. into something that's very dogmatic, almost religious to some people. What then is the answer if we try to sort through this? I know, I know. Even when you do individual research, like I know you do heavy for your show, I do for my show as well. Uh, you, depending on which rabbit hole you go down, you can find "quote unquote" scientific proof of just about anything. Yeah, it's it comes back to something which has kind of been my uh, my motto for a long time, and that is you got to propaganda proof yourself. And that doesn't mean you need to go get an advanced degree in science, but you just have to you have to have that healthy skepticism and recognize that scientists, however well intentioned, are human beings, and there's there's going to be potential for them to make mistakes that the rest of us would make too, especially if their livelihood is tied to a particular conclusion. Mm-hmm. And and the more that we've seen um, funding, you know, uh, tied to government funding, tied to science, the more we should not be surprised that the science itself becomes politicized because their job security depends on keeping those funds going. There, there was, uh, you know, in the science world, there was a thing such known as ethics. And it was really when, when you were, like you said, paid to come to a certain conclusion. And if you got to the end of your little study and it did not have that conclusion, you were faced with the idea of, can I get another grant if I tell them what they want to hear or, uh, should I be ethical, stick by my ethics and standards, and uphold the true science of it? Man, that seems like a tough decision. Even for the strongest, most ethical scientists, if they're dangling out uh, you know, a million-dollar grant or whatever to fund your study, as long as you tell them what they want to hear, that seems tough, Brian. Well, and it, it, it allows science to be divvied up into things like fringe and mainstream. And, <laughs> and you know... You shouldn't have to worry about those kind of things with science, because science is primarily concerned with discovering truth, and, and again, should always be operating from the understanding that we don't know all of it, but as far as we know, this is what we believe about the law of gravity. This is what we believe about, you know, uh, thermodynamics or, or whatever. Anytime you start getting into the place, well, you're straying away from the mainstream science, you know, it should be, so What? I love that there are scientists out there who are willing to, to go to, to the places that others aren't to, to see what they can discover. And usually they're the ones who end up finding things that, that help make sense of what so-called mainstream science is still grappling with. We've had on this show a couple of times Dr. Jane Orient. I don't know if you've had her on your show, but she was early, early on, she was a big promoter and believer in hydroxychloroquine uh, in that if you treat COVID-19 early, early in the, early in the, in the disease, uh, it will actually really, really help you. Now, there are still people out there, and it's, it's amazing when I talk with Dr. Ori, there are still people out there who call her a, a charlatan, call her a, a, ra- a rabble rouser, you know, for simply saying, look, I have proof, I've used this, it works. Uh, boy, what's, what's a person to do like Dr. Ori? She's like a, a lone voice in the wilderness. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's hyperbole to say it's dangerous to try to shut down dissent like that or shut down the discussion mm-hmm. with smears and abuse and things like that. Um, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is a year ago, when whenever someone would suggest, well, maybe we should be using hydroxychloroquine, um, there, there was consensus among many within the medical science community saying, oh, no, no, you can't do that. And, of course, the media carried that water. 
Now here we are a year later, and it turns out, oh, no, no, that's okay. Well, why wasn't it before? Well, the answer is because uh, then-President Donald Trump had said, well, this looks very promising. Maybe we should be looking at this. And I guess it was the need. We have to oppose him. We have to shut down anything, you know, that, that he might say that would advance a narrative other than what, you know, the consensus is. And that's, unfortunately, that I think can can be called very dangerous because I think people died as a result of it. The um, All you need is one anecdotal story to, to further the argument. Back then it was, well, some guy drank some uh, 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 fish tank cleaner and, and died from it because he thought it had hydroxychloroquine in it. And all of a sudden, everything that some scientists are saying and that our president was saying is, you know, in their minds, it's ludicrous and should be dismissed out of hand. All it took was one story. Yeah, it's it's sad when it's when it's also used as an appeal to authority, which is, I think, what we've seen a lot over the last year and a half. And, you know, when you hear people say, trust the science. What they mean, the translation of that is, trust the authorities. <laughs> trust what this authority is telling you. And and it turns out some of those authorities, Dr. Fauci, standing right there at the pinnacle of them, ha- has been wrong on multiple occasions and has lied to us and admitted that he lied to us for our own good, of course. But, you know, I, I'm sorry, I have trust issues <laughs> with people who lie to me, even if it is for my own good. There are talks, by the way, of uh, Anthony Fauci getting uh, subpoenaed into court for lying to Congress. Do you know any more about that? Are they going to pursue that? Um, after that that feisty exchange that he and Rand Paul had last mm-hmm. week, um, that I know that Rand Paul has indicated he was going to open a criminal investigation into Dr. Fauci. And I don't know. Fauci may be enough of a made man. Maybe he's safe that uh, he won't have <laughs> to answer. He, he seems smug enough that, you know, he, he's uh, he's above the law. I certainly hope that's not the case. More importantly, though, I, I hope people will just be careful, you know, cautious about putting their faith in somebody in authority just because they're wearing a lab coat or they're wearing a uniform or maybe a three-piece suit. You know, they, that's, that's visual aids that keep us enthralled to them, and it's, it's a dangerous way to go because you're handing over responsibility for your point of view to someone else. By the way, if you want to call and be a part of the show, 673-5890 is the phone number. If you want to text in, 435-467-5842. We would, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Andy Griffin, Brian Hyde here live. I'm in St. George. Brian is in uh, Twin Falls, right? Yes. Yep. H- have you been hit by these storms recently, Brian? Uh, we, uh, I, when I, I was up in Brian Head this weekend, and... Uh, we got off the mountain just in time because the heavens opened up and it turned into a deluge that lasted a while. Sadly, we have had nothing but clear, hot weather. Really? We did get a tiny sprinkle of rain. I think it was right after you and I talked last week. We got our, our first little rain shower in a couple of weeks, or in a, about a month, actually. And we had a couple of them, but yeah, nothing like the storms you've seen. And I guess the, the windstorm down there on I-15 yesterday... Yeah. I started seeing reports about the crash up towards the Kanash. Holy cow. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty scary stuff. Twenty plus cars, seven fatalities, three others right now are in critical condition in the hospital, so it could that number could go up as high as ten. Uh I don't know if you saw some of those pictures of there was one car it looked like it had stopped just in time behind a diesel and then a big old SUV behind came came and basically rammed that car underneath and into that diesel truck is just a scary situation there. I've been, you know, I've been in snowstorms where it was hard to see. I've been in where it's rained so hard it's hard to see. Uh, fog, of course. I've never been in a dust devil or a dust storm where you your visibility went went away, went to zero. 
I can't imagine how terrifying it must have been for people who had to slow down to avoid hitting other people and then realize that the folks behind them weren't, uh, they weren't aware of it in time. And yeah. especially as the semis started coming in there and, and crashing into people. That's, yeah. that's pretty terrifying. It's, it's got me thinking, what would you do? What do you do in that situation? I guess some drove on the shoulder of the road or off into the ditch and, and just kept driving as much as they could to get away from it. But, wow, what a horrible situation to be put in. I think I would have done the same thing, just gone, got out of there, because if you're sitting on the freeway and there's no visibility, uh, yeah, that's, that's not a good place to be. Uh, let's talk, we, we, you and I talked, have talked about this many times, but let's talk a little bit about censorship. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got Facebook making statements like they're going to flag things, and you've got Jen Psaki out there saying we are going to help them identify the things that need to be suppressed. And it's just like, wait a minute, where do we live? Is this the uh, Soviet Union circa 1978, or what the heck's going on with all this censorship, Brian? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen the meme of, uh, you know, the, this simply says the same people who want to convince you that men can give birth wants to control misinformation on the Internet. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's kind of where we are. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's not like it's a big conspiracy and, oh, yeah, you know, the people in the back rooms are sitting there having their cigar smoke-filled meetings and let's shut down, you know, everybody's point of view. But there is a, there's a very definite consensus among many members of the media as well as, as politicians, and apparently big tech is in on this, too, that we have to guide the discussion in a proper direction. And, and here's the thing about censorship, Andy. Either you choose what ideas you will or will not consider or somebody else chooses for you. There mm-hmm. is no middle ground. There's no central way that we can you know, keep everybody happy. That's a responsibility you have to take or be content with what somebody else is willing to tell you about what the world is. When I, when I went to college, uh, there were two big classes, media ethics and media law, that we had to take. And it's funny because the media ethics class, of course, was about ethics. Media law about maybe two-thirds of it was still about ethics, about the decision-making in the newsroom, about the agenda that uh, you try to push. And I've spent, Brian, I've spent 30 years in newsrooms, and and I know uh, more than any, you you don't get what you're going to do very much from the top down. You get kind of from... I, I'm talking publisher, like the big boss, the guy, you know, the owners and the publisher. That's kind of one and two in the in the hierarchy, and and then you get down to the city editors and the managing editors. And so often, I remember. Now, I was in sports most of the time, so I got to skip this. But so often, I remember these city editors or these managing editors. They had agendas. They had, you know, they made decisions based on what they wanted the news to be. And some of it was up to the reporters and how they pursued stories and stuff. But uh, there had there has been censorship in. In all our media, all our lives, it just seems like now with so many of us turning to social media for our news that it's it's become worse than ever. Uh, and, and maybe that's it. Instead, I mean, when's the last time the average person read a newspaper or even clicked on a newspaper website? They're they're scrolling through their Facebook feed looking for their news. Yeah, we're we're used to the simplicity of. Well, I can get it all here in one place, and it's really simple, and I don't have to exert much effort or energy or even thought, which unfortunately reduces us to basically toddlers sitting there waiting to be spoon-fed, you know, whatever it is we're supposed to believe. Mm. That, that, that's not good, Brian. You know, we, we need to act on, and think on our own. It's good that we have other sources, but how, you know, is it something that we have to consciously go, all right, I'm going to go look at Citizen Free Press or Fox News or, or somewhere else besides what's on my feed? Is, are we, I mean, should we be doing that or should we just kind of take what we, what we can get? 
I think we have to be the kind of people who can find truth no matter the source. And that means, you know, you can look at a CNN article, and, and there may be things in there that are truthful, and there may be things that are spun for a particular agenda. But you have to be a skeptic, first and foremost, and then willing to dig a little bit deeper. And it's not so much about you're compiling all the information, so, ah, oh, well, I'm going to kill it, Jeopardy, next time I'm on there. <laughs> it's more a matter of learning how to ask the right questions to make sure that you're really getting a complete picture of what's going on. And, and we can't be lazy about that. And it takes effort. And, and it's, it's time-consuming. But, the, you know, the alternative is your view of the world is limited to, again, that, that three-by-five index card of approved opinion that uh, someone else is, is monitoring and someone else is making sure you're staying on target. We are, I guess, fortunate, Brian, in that we can still do that. We can still go out and search for truth. It's available. You just have to work a little bit harder at it. If you think about what happened in Cuba last week, uh, the government basically shut down the Internet so that people wouldn't, first of all, show what was going on, and second of all, find differing opinions in that of which the government was offering. Yeah, and and even though the, the word misinformation is bandied about as well, you know, misinformation is dangerous, you know, ask the rest of the question, to whom? And for what reasons? Mm. Misinformation, I'm putting that in air quotes, yeah. is dangerous to people who are trying to get you to believe something that's either incomplete or untrue. Because misinformation will take you off narrative for them and could take you into places where you realize, hey, they're, they're not telling me the whole truth or they're not giving me a complete picture. So it's dangerous to their hold over you as opposed to dangerous to you for knowing these kind of things. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Seth. Seth is hanging on on line two. He's going to join uh, Andy and Brian. What's up, Seth? How are you? Let's do an experiment. And this is all Brian's house uh, fault about this. And we're going to take a quite big bowling ball size cannonball made out of lead. Okay. And we're going to take a whole bunch of buckshot, little thirty-eight caliber lead balls. Okay. And we're going to drop them off of a big bridge and stuff some elevated area, and what's going to happen when that great big cannonball uh, lands on the ground? Probably put a oh, hole. I think it's going to make a thump. Yeah, put a hole in the ground, I guess. <laughs> Will all the little tiny buckshots or, or little ones be all glued all over that big one because of gravity? Mm, good question. Would they? No. No. I, I honestly don't know. We've gone deeper into science than than my intelligence will allow me to follow. (laughs) Okay. So the bottom line is, let's just make an assumption here. If this huge mass doesn't attract little ones, maybe there's no gravity. And maybe the only thing that's operating while you're holding the phone and sitting in your chair is your density. Hmm. You're standing on the ground. You're sitting in the chair. Because you're heavier than the air around you. So, so, and so there are scientists so-called, and other scientists, uh, they're wearing black robes and funny hats. <laughs> and and um, I'm saying to myself, if you can't see this gravity thing, maybe it's because it's not true. Mm, that, that's one of the oldest principles, uh, Seth. So where, where are you going with this? Well, the idea, uh, Brian made the mistake of mentioning gravity. Mm-hmm. So it's all his fault. But the bottom <laughs> I line I is... Electromagnetism. Yes, well, <laughs> you, you know, and, and the idea is that 
just because everybody, every so-called scientist with a black robe and a funny hat, uh, we're going to believe everything they say? No, we should not. Well, uh, if your eyeballs and, and your sense of reason uh, fly in the face of these things, uh, well, then uh, we're going to have to say something's wrong. Something's wrong with the politics. Something's wrong with the, with the money system. Something is wrong with the vaccine. Something is wrong. And when they begin to force you to do these things, um, I talked to my son, a nurse, and his wife is uh, COVID, and he made a point of telling me that only people without vaccines are checking into the ICU. Only people without vaccines, is that what you said? Without, without vaccines, right? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what's the science? Uh, do I have to wear a mask? Does my grandchildren have to wear a mask that doesn't fit and that it doesn't stop anything before they and suffocate from carbon dioxide? Because uh, which part of the science are we going to believe? Yeah, yeah, good point, Seth. Very good point. Well, I tried. <laughs> Thanks for calling today. Thanks. Interesting. Uh, Brian, pop science is a thing. Uh, we grew up, some of us anyway, watching Bill Nye, the science guy, uh, you know, National Geographic. Uh, we went to, uh, you know, science class and we're, we're educated on the ins and outs of what is established science. And I've always made the, the, the contention that science is, you know, and a principle is only something that hasn't been disproved yet and kind of, kind of playing into what into what Seth said, but now it's gotten so, I mean, there's so much, there's so many different opinions and it's, it's like, wait a minute, all of a sudden science isn't science anymore, at least not the science I grew up with. No, like, like so many other, you know, institutions, it too has been kind of consumed by the blob that's politics. Mm. Um, You know, the only, the only institution I can think of that really so far has has resisted being uh, assimilated into the the political board is family. Mm. I mean, you look at business, you look at education, uh, even churches. Sad to say, have been co-opted by politics in many ways. So, you know, family is one of the very last refuges. And look how look how much effort is being put forth to to redefine what family is. There is no such thing as mothers. There's no such thing as fathers. There are birthing persons. You know, and and I don't know what I don't know what they call the the male component of the, you know, the the reproductive uh, situation. But I mean, it's it, it's interesting to see how that's all been under attack and all been politicized as far as it can be. Brian, do you have time for one more call, or do you need to go? No, go for it. All right, Steve on line two. Steve, thanks for calling in. What's up? Yeah, good morning, guys. Morning. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are labeled anti-vaxxers. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm a pro-immune system. Mm. And you were talking about hydroxychloroquine. Uh, There's several others, ivermectin. Uh, You know, these things have been demonstrated over the last year and a half to be quite effective. Even today, um, there's so many in the uh, the, uh, mainstream medical uh, field that will uh, tell you that, and even Dr. Blodgett is in this camp, that those things are not useful. And yet, I don't hear anybody talking about how we increase the uh, strength of our immune systems and use these various long-time medicines that we have uh, to be able to treat this stuff. And in fact, Brian, you had somebody on your show over the weekend. Well, it wasn't the weekend, but I heard it on the weekend. Uh, but was very, very clear that we do have 
methods, we have medicine to treat these things. And it's just really, uh, it's mind-boggling and very frustrating, even on our local radio show. You've got Dr. Blodgett that still is uh, in the uh, vaccine camp. Why can't we have somebody, Andy, on your show that is going to refute a lot of the things that are being said by Blodgett and others that are just hell-bent on getting us all vaccinated? That's a great yep. question. I, I would I would say this, uh, you know, in, in my experience, and I'm not old. I'm 55. I'm, I'm a young guy, so I don't have as much experience as some of you. But in, in my experience, I've always felt like I get an expert. My my, my philosophy has always been getting someone that knows more than me about a topic, and then if 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 they're saying things that ring true to me, then then I. I go with those things. And by the way, you said Dr. Blodgett said those things aren't effective. He never said that. He said they're only effective early in the disease, uh, hydroxychloroquine. And, that's not, but, but, Andy, that's not true. That's not true. Read anything. You know, a year ago I sent you some information about uh, Dr. Martinson. He's been talking about this for better than a year. And so you do have people on your show, but they, they tend to be mainstream thinkers. Uh, it would be great to have somebody on, much like Brian did, uh, to have somebody that's an expert in their field that is refuting the nonsense we're hearing from WHO and CDC and the other establishment that is just absolutely convinced that if we don't all get vaccines, we're all going to die. Hmm. Well, you, you know, you put me in an interesting, uh, interesting uh, juxtaposition, Steve, because I believe in the vaccines. I took the vaccine. I didn't get sick. I had no side effects. And as far as I know, it's working for me. I haven't had COVID. I don't know if we can, you know, deduce that exactly from that. We're talking about science and that's not necessarily a scientific way to look at it. But, uh, you know, for, for me, it works. And how can I refute then if it works for me? How can I say, well, it doesn't work if, if it is okay, working for me? me. Okay, that's good, and that's one person. It's anecdotal. Let me tell you mine. Mm-hmm. I have I've been doing everything I can to strengthen my immune system. I have uh, ivermectin that my doctor prescribed to me right here in St. George. Mm-hmm. That I'm prepared to take at the moment that I have any kind of symptoms. I haven't been vaccinated. I don't intend to be vaccinated. I'm going to rely on the immune system that God gave me, and I'm going to strengthen it with the things that God has given us with vitamin C and D and various other things. And so you have your story, Andy, and it's it's valid for you. Mm-hmm. It's not valid for me. You know, can, I, can I just interject here? Yeah, go ahead, Brian. So, so this, the solution here, at least to me, this is me playing King Solomon, you both are right in the sense that you are making the decisions for yourself. Right. Where this all goes awry is when we start to think, well, but I need to impose my solution on you. And, you know, the people like Steve who are, are not to, down with the vaccine, they're not anti-vaccine. I bet it more than anything, he's more anti-authoritarian. That's, I mean, that's what holds me back is it's, it's the authoritarian nature of, of how um, some are pushing the vaccine. I don't mind if somebody gets it, you know, and, and I, I think those who think that it's in their best interest ought to be able to do so. I'm not going to try and dissuade them. But, man, I do not like seeing force being brought into the, into the equation. Yeah, and Brian, that's exactly right. That is my position. But in our local radio station, I've never heard anybody come on and refute anything that Blodgett says that refutes any of the mainstream uh, nonsense. I think it's nonsense. You know, I'm with you, Brian. If somebody wants to get the vaccine, great. But don't send people to my door and try to convince me, try to sell me <laughs> right. that somehow I'm a dope and that I haven't, uh, I'm just not smart enough to see the, uh, the facts in front of me. 
All right, Steve, thanks for the call. i got to get a weather break in here. Uh, just for the record, by the way, I've had Dr. Orient on several times on this program. I've also had Alan Stevo on several times on this program. And if you don't think those two uh, disagree with the popular notions, then you haven't been listening very carefully because those two are, are definitely anti uh, what has been established out there. So, uh, Brian... Thanks so much for coming on. Again, you guys go to thebryanhydeshow.com. You can find all his show notes. You can find the uh, podcast of all his broadcasts. You can find his dog sometimes uh, as well. And uh, you can listen to Brian every weekend, 6 a.m., 6 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays right here on KDXU. Brian, it's been a pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you. Same here. We'll talk to Brian again next Monday uh, morning. It's 9.37. I'm only, what, six minutes late for weather. Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up. With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us about your wild conspiracy. It's on. It's now. It's here. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. I'm Andy. Thanks for tuning in. We've got to sneak another commercial break here in a few minutes in, but I want to t- talk a little bit about some of my experiences over the weekend. Now, uh, because I have a hard time getting away from work, probably more my fault than anything else, but I, <laughs> I me and KDXU are, are tied at the hip. And uh, so when I do get a vacation in, it's one day. I took one. I took Thursday off, and then Friday was a holiday, and... and uh, Normally, with uh, my wife and I, our anniversary coming up, we would have gone to, you know, somewhere, you know, Hawaii is our favorite place, Kauai in particular, uh, maybe Mexico, something like that. We went to St. Thomas a few years ago, but um, just couldn't get away that long. I mean, by the time, if you go someplace that far where you're on the plane six hours uh, each way, you're talking about, you know, half your vacation shot or one-fourth of your vacation is shot. So uh, we did this. Wife and I went to Las Vegas for two days. Uh, got a room in the uh, MGM Signature, uh, which I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we went to Brian Head for two days and uh, two vastly different locales. Uh, and in, in Las Vegas, uh, it, was, it was chaotic. Have you, have you been to Las Vegas? Have you hung out on the Strip and, and, and gone to the different restaurants and the shops and things like that? An endless stream of humans. And by the way, no masks. Uh, anywhere, uh, except for a few of the workers. But as far as the, the people there, no masks at all. Uh, and, and it was it was a cacophony. It was it was so every second of every day was noise. Even though we were on the 21st floor of our building. And I want to talk about, by the way, that in a minute, 21st floor, uh, the towers, et cetera, et cetera, uh, in a minute. But uh, even on the 21st floor, we could hear street noise. We could see the lights and the people. And um, it was in a word, exhausting. It was exhausting being in Las Vegas. And, you know, I hadn't been there for a few years. I thought maybe it'd be a little bit different what with COVID having come through and everything, but it was, it was the same. Uh, a lot of, um, well, scantily dress, uh, scantily clad, uh, females in particular, a lot of people trying to impress other people. I wasn't one of them. I wore shorts and a t-shirt, but, uh, and, and so for me, it was, it was weird. I never liked Las Vegas. And for those of you who are from Vegas, I'm sorry, but I never liked it there. I thought maybe with the place we went had this incredible complex of pools. 
and the Lazy River and all that stuff. And I thought maybe we could escape the, some of the madness that was Las Vegas by going uh, to the pool complex. As it turned out, the pool complex was more crowded than the Strip, if you can believe that. Uh, but uh, it, it didn't work. So uh, after uh, two days, day and a half in Vegas, we then uh, packed up and headed up to Brian Head uh, and stayed in, uh, stayed in a room up there, a really nice room. And the difference was unbelievable. There was, it was peaceful. It was quiet. It was, I mean, the air was clean. The skies were blue. When it, when it came nighttime, when it wasn't cloudy, the stars were just spectacular. Uh, we, we did a big, long hike. Like I said, my wife tried to kill me. We went on this big, long, treacherous hike. Uh, and it, it wasn't that bad, but I felt like it. Anyway, and, and we were able to uh, kind of reestablish uh, who we were together as a couple and just as, as, as human beings. And it reminds me of our political landscape, the cacophony of noise that we get when we read Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, your, your social media choice, if, if you're into that, uh, or even just the internet and, and the, the noise that goes on all the time. And I thought, you know, to me, it was a perfect analogy for life. We need to be more Brian Head and more and less Las Vegas. And I don't mean that literally. You know, there are people who love Vegas, and I did find some good barbecue while I was down there. Uh, but we just need to, to figuratively, in our lives, get some peace and quiet, get some clean air, get some clear air, uh, take a deep breath, and figure out who we are and what it is we're about. Because to me, that was, that was the difference between Brian Head and Las Vegas. And, uh, and I, I, I'm a Brian head kind of a guy. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't care if I ever go back to Las Vegas, except for maybe if I'm driving through and stop at that uh, one barbecue place, it's called soul belly S O U L B E L L Y. It's a new barbecue place. Amazing stuff. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind if I don't spend any time in Las Vegas. It's, and it's different than any other city. It's, you go to a city and there's kind of a central area. There's kind of a downtown and there's, and it's busy and there's cars and noise and people. Vegas, it's like, again, there's a strip and then there's all these gigantic hotels that are off strip and near the strip and there's just people everywhere. The, the noise was both l- uh, literally deafening and figurative, figuratively deafening. And I was so glad when we finally got out of there. I was so happy to be out of the uh, figurative and literal noise. It's uh, 946 on KDX. I want to talk about water when we come back and uh, how that pertains to my trip to Vegas. This has nothing to do with politics or cacophony even. This has to do with water when we come back. Right now, I want to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a loan consultant serving southern Utah for more than 25 years, and his specialty is customer service. You go online, he has hundreds of reviews, nearly 600 reviews online, and his score is amazing, 4.91 out of 5 stars. Uh, latest Raymundo says Joe and his team were very responsive and patient throughout the process. We're first-time home buyers and didn't understand everything. They explained it all to us and worked fast to get us into our new home. Thank you so much, Joe Shoney. Five-star review. That's Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-590-6300. BRB. Are you good at what you do? Let everyone know by, by becoming, becoming AG, AG approved. approved on KDXU. Text Andy today at 435 467 5842. 
Welcome back, 950 on KDXU. Got a phone call, I think. This is my friend Randy. Randy, are you there? I am here, Randy. How you doing? I'm good. I heard you were involved in that big crash on the, on the interstate. Is that true? We didn't actually crash ourselves, but we were at the very, very end of it. Wow. We were coming, hurtling down the highway, you know, at 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there was zero zero visibility. Get it right in a second. Yeah. And we couldn't see anything. Wow. Kay saw the, the brake lights on the semi ahead of us, was able to swerve to the passing lane, and then we couldn't see anything. We could see no farther than the front of our car, and we're still trying to slow down. We stayed in the lane. I'm not sure why we did, but... People behind us were coming down on us really fast and trying to get off the road on each side. And I think it was an absolute miracle that we were not tail-ended. When the sand and dust cleared, we saw cars right in front of us that had been in the accident and were utterly destroyed. One car was on its side pinched between two semis. Wow. Another one was in our lane, not 30 feet, 30, 40 feet away from us, right ahead of us. And it was all smashed up. And we couldn't see beyond the tangled pile of debris, but we know that there were 22 cars in this. Mm-hmm. And I guess now eight people have died. So can you imagine how we feel? This is like a miracle that we're even able to talk to you today. Yeah, de- definitely a miracle. For those who hadn't heard the news, it was a, about mile marker 152 yesterday. Huge sandstorm came and descended, kind of went uh, across the freeway, and visibility was uh, limited to uh, pretty much nothing. There were 22 cars that piled up. There were seven, now I guess eight fatalities uh, involved in this. Uh, I, I, some of the pictures, Randy, from, from that accident, or I mean, it had to be a miracle that you came, came away unscathed because some of the pictures are, are nightmarish. They really are, and we were next in line. Mm. Uh, it's just, I'm just stunned still to this moment that we're still alive. Do you, what, what was the storm like? So you're just cruising along, and then it, it just all of a sudden was there, and you had, I mean, that was it? You yeah. couldn't see? Yes, uh, it was a microburst mm-hmm. wind coming straight down from probably 35 or 40,000 feet, and it was, uh, I would say, somewhere around 45 to 50 miles an hour. And there was a plowed field or disked field on the east side. And the microburst came down and gathered up that material and blew it right across both lanes, northbound and southbound of I-15. Couldn't see anything. It was just, you hear about a whiteout and a blizzard. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a sand out, I guess, Andy. Uh, We could see nothing, nothing. I, I made the comment earlier today that I've been in really thick fogs where you couldn't see. I've been in snowstorms and rainstorms that were it was coming so hard you couldn't see. But I've never been in a, a sandstorm like that. I can't even imagine the nightmare that it was like. Were you so you said you stopped in time that you didn't hit? The, what was it? A diesel in front of you? Well, there were four or five uh, okay. of the diesel semis on our side on the um, drivers. Let's see what would be the outside. Left and lane, then yeah. on the inside is where we escaped to. And for some reason, nobody piled into the back of us. Wow. Wow. You must be living right, Randy. I think there were guardian angels or something going on there. I, th- <laughs> I, I really so. do. I agree with you. Well, I'm so glad you're okay and you made it through. Obviously, some people didn't. So, uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, we're so sorry for those folks and their families. We really are. Just mm-hmm. our heart breaks for them. Yeah. Because we saw death right in front of us. Just a staggering thing to realize that uh-huh. people died right there in front of you in a terrible tangle of metal and whatever else. Just, this is terrible to think about. But we're grateful for being spared. Yeah. And we're so sorry, and we pray for those families that were harmed. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the call, Randy. Appreciate it. Sure. Bye. Wow, what a scary experience. I got to tell you, I, I got a call last night. I think it was around 10 o'clock. Uh, my 19-year-old daughter called me, and she was crying. And when you're a parent and your daughter calls you crying, uh, you, you run the gamut. You go from saw my old boyfriend to uh, I just got in a crash and I'm almost dead. I mean, you know, you go through all those things when, when you're a parent. And any of you that are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and she couldn't talk at first. She, she called. She was crying and, and kind of whimpering on the phone. I could tell that she was upset. And I, I'm Mr. Reason, Mr. Logic, I'm like, look, Katie, you've got to take a deep breath, swallow, and tell me what's going on. Because right now, I have no idea. And so she took a deep breath and swallowed. And she said, I'm okay, <laughs> which is good. Because that, that took a lot of things off of the table right, right from the start. Uh, and then, and then she said, I think I just saw someone die. And I was like, what? And she said she was driving and she was just getting on I-80 and there was a, a crash right in front of her and one of the cars lit on fire and there was a person inside of it that was burning. And, uh, I haven't been able to check the news this morning to see if that in fact was a fatality in Salt Lake, but, uh, yeah, you know, when you're 19 years old, you haven't seen a lot of the world yet. You don't know a lot yet. And when you see something like that, oh, it is, it is humbling and, uh, she uh, fortunately she wasn't involved in the accident, but um, yeah, it was a, a scary situation there. Uh, again, uh, glad Randy and Kay are okay out there, uh, who were so close to being, uh, you know, a really really bad situation. And again, we feel bad for those who lost loved ones and family members. Hope they're okay. How many times have you driven to Salt Lake and back? I've done it. I can't even count the number of times I've driven to Salt Lake and back from Southern Utah. Uh, I would say, okay, I've been here. 28 years do the math on 28 i figure maybe 10 times no yeah 12 15 times a year we're talking over 300 and uh never had a close call like that and i'm so grateful for it uh did have just a couple of minutes left i wanted to talk about water okay uh just real quick of course we're we're talking about water conservation is there going to be enough water uh are we going to have to have restrictions should we stop people from building and and all these things and I I was a little incensed when I went to Las Vegas. Um, we stayed at the place called the MGM Signature, which is there are three towers behind the MGM Grand, like a block away, and each tower has like seventeen hundred hotel rooms. They're huge, and uh, and so. I, you know, I, I got a good deal on it. I thought it'd be a cool escape. They have a cool little pool complex. You guys know my wife is a, is a fish. She loves swimming. So I thought it would be a perfect little getaway. Uh, and uh, when we got there at the end of the evening, our first night there, Wednesday night, um, I went to take a shower and uh, got in the shower at this, you know, nondescript 21st floor room in the MGM Signature and the water was, it was like it was shot out of a cannon. It was an incredible, strong burst of water, not just from a good shower head, but a lot of water was coming through me, uh, you know, to me as I was taking my shower. By the way, it's the first really good shower I've had in a long time just because the water was so powerful. But beyond that, I was thinking to myself, hey, this is great, but 
is every room like my room? Every all seventeen hundred rooms in this tower are, are they exactly like my room? And if so, why are we putting up with this? And you know, in in Vegas, dollar is king, and they do everything they can to entertain the world. I mean, that's that's what Las Vegas is all about. It's all about you know, money and making people happy. And if I come in from Iceland or if I come in from Ohio or if I come in from Texas or, or, or Canada, I don't care that there's a drought. All I care about is, is that shower going to work really good for me? And, and and so as I'm sitting there in the shower contemplating things, I, I kind of got mad because we are scrimping. We are being careful. We're, water is such a big issue here. And Las Vegas, which really isn't in any better shape than us. Have you seen Lake Mead? Lake Mead is, is as bad or worse than Lake Powell. And, and by the way, in Las Vegas, the city of Las Vegas, I Googled this, there's 150,000 hotel rooms in the city of Las Vegas. Now, I don't know if they all have powerful showers like that, but imagine if those are full or even half full. 75,000 rooms are using that amount of water. It kind of makes me feel a little incensed, a little mad that I have to scrimp and save and let my lawn turn a little bit yellow uh, to save some water so we'll have enough here in St. George. When Las Vegas clearly doesn't care. They don't care how much water they use. And that was the overall feeling I got. They don't care as long as they, the people come, the people spend their money, and they're happy. They really don't care how much water is used. And, you know, you know for me, I'm just like, Wait a minute! Something ain't right about that. Is it about is it about the guy with the most money wins the game? The guy with the best cards wins the hand, figuratively speaking. I don't know. It just made me mad. Water, obviously, not an issue for a city in the desert like Las Vegas.